Welcome back to the Wide Open Podcast. On this episode of the Wide Open Podcast, cocktails and conversations with District 37 GP steward Lisa Nassif. Lisa, thank you very much for joining us here in the Wide Open Podcast studios. Uh, thanks for taking that long trip down the hall so you could make it to the Wide Open Podcast <laughs> studios. Thanks for coming in. Anytime. <laughs> so, Lisa, uh, you are the District 37 GP steward. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your job is as the steward. As a steward, I manage the ridership. Um, I help them with all their paperwork, make sure their license is you know, set, give them their numbers, make sure they're riding the right class, make sure their bike size is right, and answer pretty much any questions that they have in regards to racing. Sounds like a busy job. How long have you been the steward? I think this is my fourth year. So, so you became the GP steward the first year of the Adelano Grand Prix? Yeah, about three or four weeks right before the Grand Prix, I became the steward, and, and, and it's been a ride, but it's been awesome. What kind of chaos was that? It was super chaos. Like, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just won it, and the first year, we had a line wrapped around the building, and now we have it fine-tuned to where, you know, there's 20, 30 people in the line at a time. Lines still get long, but, you know, it's better. I kind of have a good system going, so it's it's good. Just to shed some light on, on what she got herself into, the first year of her becoming the GP steward, uh, that, that first race pulled like 1,600 entries, which was about 500 entries more than, than what the biggest GP had been prior to that. So my hat's off to you, and you must be a little bit crazy to, to want to do that. How many riders do you manage? Um, there's, I mean, I don't know exactly how much. I don't count them, but I'm sure 1,000-plus. Um, at the Adelano Grand Prix, I do have a ton of help. My club, I have a very big club, and I'm lucky to have a lot of women to the wives help me. So it's kind of like an assembly line at this point. Well, that's awesome. So you're you're lucky to to have all that kind of help. Um, so are you at every race? Oh yeah, every race I'm there. If I'm not in signups, I'm either watching the riders or I'm racing myself. So let me ask you a question. It's a question that I get, I get a lot, and a question I hear, you know, quite often from riders. Um, how do riders uh, transfer from one skill level to another? Okay, so we work on a transfer system. Um, you can you can transfer one of three ways. You either transfer by earning your transfers, you transfer by steward's discretion, or you transfer because you got bumped from the AMA. Um, so some other series they don't transfer after the series is started. District 37 does, okay? So, uh, for example, a beginner rider, you it's 50% of the total riders. You only have to earn three transfers, okay? So if there's two riders, the number one rider is going to earn a transfer. So you, you bump out of the beginner class pretty fast. The beginner class is an introductory class. You should not be in the, big, the beginner class more than a race or two. It's literally for the, the brand new beginner rider that's never raced an event ever and just, you know, they just need to learn how the concept of, you know, we're on a closed course and, and the signage. Um, if you're a novice rider, um, it's the top 30%, so you need five transfers. So if there's 10 riders, the top three riders are going to earn transfers. What people don't understand is transfers, they, they're accumulative. So I don't, I have a transfer book. So I know every transfer you ever earned. So let's just say you raced hardcore two years ago and earned three transfers, didn't race last year, but you came back this year and you raced two races, you're in your last two transfers, guess what, you're transferred. Riders, uh, the, most, the, the most common 
you know problem that we have is that people are like, I have been having, I just had a decent year, and it's just started. Okay, your transfers go with you. So um, going from novice to intermediate, you need a total of five transfers. It's yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's the top thirty percent. And then going from intermediate to expert, you need seven transfers as the top 20%. So anytime you can call me if you have any questions about how many transfers you earn, because I know exactly how many you have, if you're a district writer. I don't manage the WCGP, so I don't keep a transfer list on those writers. However, we do watch over those writers as well. Um, stewards discretion. I, I watch, you know, if I'm not in signups, um, then I'm out watching your race. So it's, you know, watching a race and seeing someone doing triples or doing doubles or whatever and they're a novice or a beginner, clearly you're in the wrong class. So I can see those things, go back and look at your stats and then place you otherwise. So once you receive a letter from me saying that you have to be transferred, it's you have to be transferred. If you decide to write out of class the second another race after that, then you will be DQ'd. So, you know, we're trying to keep it fair across the board. Uh, the AMA also is watching our, you know, finish years, I mean, the results very well. Like, they're, they send me out a, a list every year. It's a tr an automatic transfer list, so if you're on it, you have to move. Um, so that's also happening. They're, also, they're watching both, all the races. They're watching the WCGP as well as the district races. So that's another way that you can get transferred. That's awesome. Um, how do riders sign up? How does a writer sign up online? Do they send you an application? I mean, they call you, or what, what's the process for that? So for a membership, you can either sign up online on MotoTally or you can sign up at the race, uh, you know, at the event. Um, you know, it's easy to do it online. I get an email notification once you put an application in. It automatically notifies me so then I can, you know, get it done, you know, when I have time and then issue it out. Uh, if you have any questions in regards to what class you're supposed to be riding in, bike size, what have you, the best way to reach me during the day is via text. I do have a full-time job, so you know when I get the phone calls at 10 a.m., I might be in a meeting, so I'm not going to be able to answer the call. Uh, email is also good, but most of the time I'm not going to be answering the emails until the evening time. So, so you know we've got. Uh we got the Ridgecrest GP coming up here in a couple of weeks. You know that's why we thought it'd be a good idea to have you in here, so we could kind of chit chat as the uh, as the GP series is getting ready to to come back. Uh, you know after the summer break, but there's only three races left before we find ourselves at the end of the year, and then a very short period before Atlanta happens the following year. How do you find time to process all the riders that you have, tabulate all the all the points, and then issue numbers for the following year? I mean. You know, is there any advice that you can give to riders to make sure that uh, they can, that they, you know, when they should send in their applications so they can receive uh, their license in time for Atlanta next year? Well, that's a good question because at this time of the year, um, I do end up ending up with a lot of issues where people are signing up for licenses thinking that it's going to be for a 12-month period, and it's not. It's only for this year. Um, at this point, it would be, it's not conducive for anyone to sign up for a license for the 2018 series, so I wouldn't do it at Ridgecrest. Um, I would just pie plate, uh, but if you plan on racing the 2019 series, my best advice is to see me at signups, get your entry form in. I do take pre-entries for 2019 on the last two races of the year. So prospectors and Vikings, I'll be at signups if I'm not there because I do race, so I'll either be out you know, racing or I'll be in signups but somebody will be there to collect it for you. 
for all the riders that do put their applications in um, at the last two races of the year, they will be guaranteed that they will have their numbers, their licenses issued prior to Adelanto. If you don't do that and you want to sign up online, that's fine, but do not sign up online if on the 2018 series. So make sure you're looking at what you're signing up on. It'll say 2018 or 2019 because when we go to reset it for the following year, it wipes everything out. So a common problem I have every year is you know, 10 or 12 riders are going to sign up for their licenses, pay their fee, put all their information in in November or in December, you know, the first week of December before the protest period is over from the last GP. Okay. When you do that, what happens is when they reset it, that information disappears and there's no, I can't even get it back. So then you show up at Adelanto and you're upset because you don't have your license ready. So don't do that. Yeah, so just uh, you know, a little heads up for the way Mototelli works. We have to finish out one year before we can do the following year, and then the scoring crews, Denise and Anna, they have to they have to work together so they can input every race for the following year. So you know, every race that's going to be on the calendar gets input into Mototelli, and then Mototelli resets for the following year. So if you go on you know on Mototelli trying to buy your license for for 2019. And we're still in 2018, and they haven't finalized the finalized the results, and then reset Moto Tally. Whatever whatever it is you put in Moto Tally is going to wind up disappearing. And I know we try and get this information out to all the riders as best we can, but there's always a handful of riders that uh, you know they they miss that they miss that memo, and it winds up being a problem. And you have angry riders that are trying you know think they've signed up and and they haven't. So it seems as though probably the best way. Uh, for a rider to make to ensure that they are going to, you know, have their license in time, uh, is to hand in a paper application at the last couple of rounds of the year, because because you you know if they hand a paper application to you, you input it into Mototelli the same way that a rider does if he's signing up online, so you know when the system has been reset, right? That's correct. You know, another problem we have too is a lot of riders somehow like they'll think that if they are gonna maybe pre-entry, so they're gonna send their checks to the club and their entry form for the actual race to the club. They send their district membership to the club as well. That doesn't work. It, we're two different entities in the sense of like district, like I, I only am, am you know processing for the district to go straight to the district. So when you send a check that's like, you only wanna write one check, so you do your entry fees for your race and then your membership. Okay, I'm not gonna have the time, and the club isn't either, to go back and figure out who did that and then to reimburse the district, so that doesn't work. So any District 37 memberships you need or you, you know that you wanna get, you need to either do it online or send it directly to me or give it to me at the end of the, you know, at the races. <clears throat> all right, well that's all really good information I think everybody needs, but you know what, enough about that. Let's talk about you. You mentioned a minute ago uh, that, you were, that you were in a club. So tell me about that. What club are you in? I'm in SoCal MC. Um, so I've been racing a little bit. You don't see a whole lot of women that are that are in clubs. Are you just uh, what? You're just married to somebody that's in the club, or you're actually voted into the club? No, I'm a voted in member. Uh, Arbo, um, after I decided to race my first desert race, uh, decided that he was going to vote me in the club in the desert. So I'm one of probably I think I was like the fifth, maybe the fifth girl that got voted into SoCal. SoCal is typically a man's club, but there's a few top women that have been in there. I didn't get voted in because I was top. I think I just got voted in because I just don't quit. So, well, it's, I mean, <laughs> there's something to be said for that. How was it that you found desert racing? I mean, did your family race or? 
No, I've never. Honestly, like racing is like was I didn't even I've never even known of it. Um, when we were out, I think playwriting with the kids, and you know, Brian he stumbled across a race that was in progress in Johnson Valley, and was like, "I got to try that." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever, like go do it," you know. So he started going out every once in a while, and with his buddy and wanted to get me to go do it with him you know just come out just watch it and I'm like ah, I, I because honestly I, I really thought racing I don't know they're talking about clubs they're talking about all this stuff I I was into Sons of Anarchy at that time and I really thought that like that's what it entailed and like I'm just not that girl so I was like nope I don't want to go but uh, he finally convinced me to go out one time and you know I I pre-packed everything thought I had it all together and the trailer's ready and I was going to be the perfect racing wife and you know I forgot dish soap so of course I came across this you know person this chick that was like really super cool and she's like I'm like do you have dish soap can I borrow some and she gave it to me and little did I know that's going to be one of my best friends now um she's you know she gave it to me and you know she kind of took me under her wing and her son sat there in the campfire and and talked to me all night long and and he's like a son to me now so so how did you go from just going to the races with your husband to wind up being you know a, a, a woman that's on a motorcycle racing motorcycles how, how did that all happen okay so socal's a big drinking club everybody knows this um so we're sitting around the campfire one night and i'm a little mouthy and i have two teenage boys and, you know, SoCal was talking about they are going to put on an MX race. And, you know, half of them wanted to do it, half of them didn't. And I just, you know, threw it out there. Like, we have all these young people. Like, why aren't you guys going to do that? And so they thought it would be funny to say, well, if you do it, we'll do it. So I'm like, fine. And I just told Brian, buy me a bike. So the next morning he proceeded to buy me a bike. And I finished out that entire series. I think I fell on every single corner. Um, I think that I met more club members throughout the desert. Like everyone that was in a club picked me up at one or two times, you know, maybe even three. But as the season went on, it got better. And I think when I finally was able to uh, finish a whole race, uh, you know, without falling, I thought, why not try a GP? And then it, the same thing happened there. And, you know, and then it, I, I carried on to desert. So, you know, I decided one day after, you know, I think it was a couple of years of riding the GPs, I want to try a desert race and so I told Brian I'm gonna race desert and he's like okay and I think I chose the worst race to race it was the invaders it was a million degrees it was I think it was like 105 and I seriously thought I was gonna die out there but you know what it was awesome I finished and I cherished that that finishers pen that was a huge accomplishment for me and I was hooked ever since that's, that's a pretty cool story so have, so you've been racing a little while. I mean, uh, what's the hardest race you've ever raced? Um, probably the checkers race. The checkers race was the hardest, um, and it, but it was the most, it meant the most. You know, I, I broke my wrist in the middle of that checkers race, and they're like, it was it was an enduro, so they're like, you have to get to the check. If you get to the check, you'll get a finish. And I was like, no, okay. No, no. It, it was UMC. Was it? Was it, I think it was. No, yeah. it was a checkers race that I broke it in. Was it UMC? You broke your wrist at UMC. Okay, so maybe it was UMC, but it was an enduro, and they're like, you have to get to the, the check. And I'm like, well, okay, how do I get there? They're like, I, I mean, I don't know what you got to do. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to push it. And they're like, or we'll just call you in, and they can, your club can come get you. Okay, so SoCal is one of those clubs that, you know, if you're. Most the women before me, they were fast, so it was different. 
me, the one, the calling card that I have is that I'm not, I'm not fast. I just won't quit. So I think that's when I earned the mad props is when I, I pushed the bike, I think it was about a mile. Um, and I didn't get into the check and, you know, I had a broken wrist, but I got to finish. So that's when I kind of earned my stripes at the club. So, but I mean, there is a story with that goddamn checkers race because I thought uh, it was checkers. Well, <laughs> you broke your wrist in the UMC race. Um, and you and yes, I did finish and, one checkers and, and race. Yes, though. <laughs> you did. You pushed your bike with a broken wrist at UMC, but you also finished that goddamn checkers race uh, the year that they gave out the poster board. I for, still have it in the trailer. Yes. <laughs> Brian yeah. hates it, yes. and I love yeah, it because I didn't finish. I hated that goddamn thing. Yeah. So you know that's uh, that's incredible. So what's your favorite race? Um, GP or desert doesn't matter. Well, on the GP side, I would say Hilltoppers. I love Hilltoppers race. It's just fun. It's flowy. It's it was my very first race that I did. You know, that was a GP. Um, every year I get to that you know arena and that damn water holes there, and every year I just I, I cringe and just worry so much about being the girl that's going to be face first in the mud. It hasn't happened yet, although those tires have they got me the first few years. Even now, they still get me. But um, I love that race. It's just fun. The camaraderie is great there, and it's cool to see all the spectators. It's just, it's a cool event. I love it. And I love next year they're going to have that sprint enduro there too. So I think I may even have to try that. And in the desert, what's your what's your favorite race in the desert? Uh, and it doesn't have to be a particular club's race. I mean, you've been racing for quite a few years. I honestly, I, I love doing the Shamrocks Dual Euro. Brian, uh rented that place out and gave me my 40th birthday there so I have a lot of fond memories many of you probably spent that birthday with me but um I just love that place it was cool it wasn't so cool one night though and I don't think it was my birthday weekend but it was one year where a tarantula was literally crawling up my leg there I thought I was gonna die and then it was like coming after me but um it's just cool I mean it's you you go race all day long you know I I, I raced there one year and I I had a giant boulder stuck in my bike and I I couldn't even, I was stuck going on a downhill and my bike literally dead stopped and it with the boulder was like probably, I don't know, a foot and a half, I think. Dave Olivas, I mean, several people had to end up stopping and I'm like, Brian's not gonna believe this. And they're like laughing at me and they're like, yeah, he's not. Like it literally just come up in the back of the tire and it just dead stopped me. But I just, I've had a lot of good memories there. I mean, I didn't finish that race, but it wasn't my fault. <laughs> but there's been, there's been a lot of good times. And then at the end of the day, you know, everybody, no matter what club you're in or no club, you know, ends up at Slash X and y'all sit there and, you know, you get to bench race. It's cool. It's the best, best ever. So what's your favorite thing about being a steward? I love meeting everybody. I, I like meeting all the new people. I like watching people grow as riders. I like listening to their stories. I love it when they come up and they've never raced a race before. And so they're just like, okay, 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 I got this. And then they're like, but you know, you watch them a few races later and they are totally like, now they're starting to get transferred or, you know, they win their first trophy. I love that um, in the GPs, it's a little different than the desert. The desert's a little more segregated, meaning, uh, you know, you're either, you're either in a club or you're not. Uh, clubs are typically, they have their own places of where they go. Uh, so it's not, you know, unless you're good friends with people, it's not like you're just going around from, you know, camp to camp. So there's not a lot of camaraderie in it. In the GPs, it's like a giant, you know, everybody's just come on down, like a big family, like it's cool. So you can really meet a lot of people and there's no club separation really. I mean, you know, you do have the clubs that can't, clubs always camp together, but it's not uncommon to see, you know, different people that are in clubs and in different areas. I mean, it's just, it's a very uh, cool 
family atmosphere, um, you know, we're all in a confined spot, so there's a lot more, you know, closeness in the sense of, you know, communication and, hey, what are you doing? So it's cool. So it sounds like you're you're really digging on club life. Well, what would your what advice could you give to to riders that aren't in a club? I never understood the concept of a club. I didn't understand the racing thing. I wasn't brought up like that. Uh, when Brian started it, uh, when he finally got me out there, like my club family has, they're like my family. They are one hundred percent my family. There is, I, they have my back. Anything that happens, I already know that they're there. I was racing a hundreds race. Brian had a horrible crash. Um, the club already had my my you know campsite packed up. The trailer was ready. I I finished my race. He's in a helicopter, and you know they broke the news to me like he's you know, this is what happened. You got to go here. You know they all had my back. There is nothing worse than watching someone out there getting a helo ride or you know hurt and they're coming in and they've got no health. Um, but bigger than that, I mean, we have, we have, we go on vacation together. We, you know, have a Christmas party. I mean, we are a family. There's, there's nothing, I would never race in the desert, uh, without being in a club and any, anyone that ever wants to come and race a desert race, you're more than welcome to come and guest pit with us. Our club may not be the perfect fit. Every club's different, but you know what? Any, all clubs, they, they welcome new members in. We want you guys to come out, come see what we do because until you see it and you live it, you don't even know what you're missing. I, I talk to riders all the time that are GP riders, and one of the, my favorite things is when I can convince a GP rider, like Scott Putnam, I totally convinced him, he's a super fast guy, to come ride a desert race. I mean, like, it's a totally different animal. But, you know, the thrill of it, it's just awesome. Like, when you, the bombs, from the bomb start, the banner drop, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's an experience you have to try. That's that's pretty awesome to hear you say that. I mean, I feel the same way about it as I'm sure, you know, many of our listeners feel the same way. I mean, that's why they love desert racing. That's why they love racing in general. So, if uh, if you had one favorite thing to say about District Thirty Seven racing, what would it be? Family. I think that District Thirty Seven racing is a family organization. Um, it's all about. You know, we it's not we're not just looking for your money or looking for your application. Just come on in. Like we, we don't just treat you like you're going through a drive through. Like when you come in, we wanna like hook line and sinker you and just let you know there's so much that we offer. Um, there's history behind this, there's so much that goes with District thirty seven racing. Um, no matter what your riding style is, there's something for you to do here. I think Brian and I went for a ride out in Honda Valley last week and we ended up at the Josh, which is a little bar in the middle of nowhere. And these two random guys come up and they're like, oh, what are you riding? And asking all these questions about our bikes. And, you know, I started talking to them about District 37 racing. They're like, oh, oh, we thought about racing, but we didn't we didn't know where to start. So, you know, I think they one of them said, oh, I think I've raced an SRA, but it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And I started telling them about the bomb run and doing, you know, desert racing. And they were scared, but so enticed at the same time. They're like writing down all of our information. Like, where could I start? Like, how do I do this? So, I mean, like, I, it's just amazing. Like, I mean, it's it's a big family of the atmosphere. We all have each other's backs. And where else? I mean, I ride because for different reasons than other people ride. Like, I I ride because I feel free. I feel it's my it's my peace, you know. I can go ride for two hours, and it's like the it's better than a massage, you know. I know that sounds silly, but it is. Um, other people ride for number one plates. I'll probably never have one, and I'm cool with that. 
But sometimes when I get over some gnarly hill that I didn't think I can get over or do something crazy that I didn't think I could do, it helps me through like the hard times in life when you know life you know happens and things happen and you you don't know how to take it. I literally look back to racing like I did that so I could totally do this. So I think you learn life experiences too. So let me ask you a question. You know, it's not like you grew up in a racing family. It's something that uh, you kind of stumbled into or your mouth got you into you know, around the campfire and you find yourself out there racing. Uh, you know, so you're probably, you know, you're probably well suited to answer this question or give advice to, to the question I'm going to ask you. What advice would you give to someone who's brand new to racing and they're coming to District 37? Listen, relax, and enjoy the ride. You know what? I can't think of a better place for us to, to end this episode of the Wide Open Podcast. Lisa, thank you so much for, for coming in and answering some questions. Uh, I, you know, The information you gave, I'm sure, is going to be extremely helpful to the, to the GP riders. Uh, for anybody listening to the Wide Open Podcast, uh, we hope you know you can find Lisa Nassif at the next GP, uh, which is going to be the Ridgecrest GP uh, hosted by the Viewfinders. She'll be tucked away in the back room at signups. Come in there, uh, talk to her. You know, it's probably not too early for you to give her an application for next year. She'll file it away. She'll answer any questions you have, and then uh, of course you'll see her in the desert. Uh, she races every single race. Lisa, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. And as always, uh, thanks for listening to the Wide Open Podcast, and we'll see you at the races.